0: Hey, 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 before we start, important news. Our buddy Kevin Spencer, yes, the artist extraordinaire, Kevin the Man Spencer has a new book that he has helped illustrate. That's right, folks, he's published along with Justin Hamlin, the author of a series of horror short stories. It is called The Darkest Corner. It is available on Kindle in Amazon right now, only 2.99. It is a complete steal. I've already got my copy. Make sure you get a copy. Leave them a great review. Support indie authors. The link is in the show notes. So if you're only getting this through iTunes, go hit forgottenflix.com. The link is there. It may even have something in the sidebar, so you can click on that. Go get the book. The paperback will be out very soon. You can get signed copies from Kevin for free. Not the book. You'll still have to pay for that, but the sign is free. Check it out. The Darkest Corner by Justin Hamlin. Illustrations by Kevin Spencer. Available now. Amazon.com. Forgotten Flicks, episode 109. Romance... Uh, War of the Roses, 1989. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm the bad person. Let's just blame me for this. No, no. I think I need... I- I think you owe me, after this many pretty goddamn good years of marriage, a solid reason. I worked my ass off to make enough money to provide you with a good life. And you owe me a reason that makes sense. So let's hear it, come on. Let's hear it, let's hear it. Because when I watch you eat, when I see you asleep, when I look at you lately, I just wanna smash your face in. Come on, smash my face. Come on, you wanna smash my face? Yeah. Come on. The next time I hit back, Hello and welcome to the Forgotten Flicks podcast, the podcast that remembers the movies. You, you, yeah, you right there. Uh Uh-huh, you, you know who I'm talking to, grew up with. And as you recall from tonight's movie, this little number.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. You're with me, right, Jay? Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, we're not doing our (laughs) Mets of the Stone, are we?
1: Damn it. We did that one already, didn't
0: we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was like episode... I didn't bother looking it up. 30-something, 40-something. And I am Joel, joined as always by the beautiful... (laughs) I would say hauntingly beautiful, actually. (laughs) Jason. (laughs)
1: Can I smash your face in? That's oh, all I'm asking. Well,
0: I'm really, that's, I thought that's what you were into. I know it's what I'm into. So yes, we're doing War of the Roses from 1989. The third, and I believe final outing, uh, with Kathleen Turner, Michael Douglas, and Danny DeVito. The other two being Romancing the Stone. And uh, the second one being V.I. Warshawski. No, Wait. No, 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 uh, no. Wait a minute. No, no, no hold on, hold on. Um, Man with two Brand. No, that was a different Kathleen Turner. Uh,
1: about the dumbass movie where the jewel turns out to be a person?
0: Spoiler alert. But it did have Billy Ocean singing, When the going gets tough, the tough uh, get going. I used to have that audio soundtrack. I remember listening to that quite frequently. To the movie? To Jewel of the Nile, yeah. Jewel
1: of the Nile? Really?
0: Yeah, I don't know why.
1: Yeah, so this is, uh, Romancing the Stone is the third and...
0: Ah, you said Romancing the Stone, Freudian slip. uh, You really wish we were doing that again, don't you?
1: I do, I really, I'm going to go back and listen to that. It was 30-something, but um, yeah, no, War of the Roses is the third of the trilogy of these three actors together, actors, actress, um, Danny DeVito, Michael Douglas, and um, Kathleen Turner. Um, so, also
0: known but, as Legs O'Hulahan,
1: Legs O'Hulahan, which is it uh, much, really only of those three movies, the only one that they actually interact in with a good deal of the movie is Jewel and the Nile, uh, because in Romancing the Stone, there's only bits that they're together. Yeah, Dan and, and Vito
0: barely at all in Romancing the Stone. I mean, there's a little right. scene and with then the, in, with and the then stone or whatever. The
1: poses, Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, in this one, we're going to talk about he he's in it and there's a little interaction, but it's not it's again, it's back to like, you know, romancing the stone.
0: I would would say he was more the romance of the stone because, I mean, he had the dinner scene with him and then he he interacts with them individually several times. There's a
1: little bit more. Yeah. But it's not like I think the chemistry. Well, we'll get into this in a sec. But I think the chemistry that's there with the three of them in a movie isn't necessarily just. The on-screen chemistry of them together—does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it's really the sexual tension between the three of them.
1: Yes, I really yes.
0: sensed it. Honestly, when Douglas and Devito were on screen together, the most—that <laughs> was the the most intense. So we energy. chose
1: this for a reason. Happy Valentine's happy, Day! Happy
0: Valentine's Day, yeah, see, you hairy bastard!
1: We, this is <laughs> the way. This is the way we celebrate the, uh, the we Hallmark we pick holiday one of, of the
0: most dark, depressing. <laughs> comedies <laughs> of the 1980s yes. about a divorce that leads to massive spoiler alert. Don't
1: tell him. Really, Don't tell him. really
0: bad stuff happening.
1: Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, so this is the closest we come to a rom-com on our own. Yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> without Maggie there to help us uh, push us into when we did uh, The Cutting Edge.
0: Yeah, that's which... actually The Cutting Edge is definitely the most com your rom-com the thing that we've done done. rom-commy what the hell's a (laughs) rom-commy (laughs) rom-commy i don't even know what that is so yes would you like to get into the trailer followed by spoiler alert notices followed by your synopses
1: yes okay please
0: well let's do that heads up everyone this trailer's lengthy i tried cutting it down best i could the good news is there's lots of talking and not just a bunch of explosions. So That's
1: just visual, right? Yes, yes. So
0: without further ado, I give to you the trailer for "War of the Roses." This is the most romantic day of my whole life. This Is the story we're going to tell our grandchildren, Barbara and Oliver Rose? Wait a minute! Wait, wait, wait! What's your name? Barbara. They met great. I love the rain. God, I love it, too. They agreed on that. Are you happy? I'm more than happy. I'm married. The house is so beautiful. And we live here. House, car, boy, girl, puppy, kitty. The poor bastard's has never had a chance. Your crystal is lovely. Back around. I didn't know anything about this before I met Oliver. <laughs> My mother bought her glasses at the A. M. P. You know, the kind with the rays. It always flowers. starts with the little things. And that phony laugh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right, maybe overdid it. Let me have. It. If love is blind, now oh, I got you. Marriage is like having a stroke. <laughs> when I watch you eat. When I look at you lately. I just wanna smash your face in. Smash my face. I want a divorce. You can't have one. <laughs> when a couple starts keeping score, there is no winning. It's only degrees of losing. I am the one who found this house. I bought everything <laughs> in it. With my money. It's a lot easier to spend than it is to make it, honey bun. You might not have made it if not for me, sweet cakes. Never underestimate her as an adversary. Don't even talk to her, bitch. Come. The yellow areas are mine, the red areas are hers. This seems rational to you both. I got more square footage. These people are going to hurt each other. Get out of the car, huh? When trouble begins, it comes at you from directions you'd never expect. We haven't passed any point of no return. I have. (laughs) I'm sorry. I you were Barbara. Michael Douglas. Nobody who makes pate this good can be all bad. Kathleen Turner. That depends on what the pate is made of. And Danny DeVito. Sounds like a fairy tale, doesn't it? The War of the Roses. Directed by Danny DeVito. Coming this Christmas.
1: Oh, excuse me. Spoiler alert, please.
0: Thank you, JV, for stopping by. Oh my. I forgot about that last part. So Jason. Hello. I'm Chuck.
1: Talk- Sorry. Pesky mute button.
0: <laughs> I was like, <laughs> sorry i'm talking to myself yes yeah. Uh, yeah. yes yeah so jason jason yes. Yes. oh my oh my <laughs> yes very so. george, very george takai of him so <laughs> it was so so here here's the deal first off i love i don't even think it was that potent in the movie the movie proper my wife hates it when i say that by the way when i say like yeah you know, tampa proper She's kind of, oh. it's like one of those like pet peeves. things. she's like, wait, 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 it's like, you know, proper. Like it's the actual, so no, it wasn't in the movie proper. Right. It was is, it, his monologue. No, the, oh. in the trailer, when she smashes him in the face, Yeah, the sound effect. Oh,
1: it's, it's it sounded like when
0: Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones gets exactly. <laughs> the greatest punch sound effect ever in history. It is, it I is by lo- far. It's awesome. You feel it. It's just like, it's a like gunshots.
1: It is. It's, it's cannon fire. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it is. And you could definitely tell they took some tweaks. Also some of his, uh, Danny DeVito's monologue as he's talking through the trailer is not used in the movie.
0: Well, it's like he, a lot of, it even sounded too like some of the lines that were the same. He says them differently. Like, yeah. It's only he was rereading them for the trailer.
1: A little sped up or a little yeah. different pace. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but
0: and, and, and although I, it makes me chuckle every time I've got more square footage because it's so petty and it's so, well,
1: but, and it's the way Michael Douglas delivers it. Too. Oh, I know, he does, yeah. he just yeah. does a fantastic job with that
0: kind of <laughs> yes, it's,
1: dry grin. Yeah. yeah. He's
0: like, he's all, he's all pleased with himself. i got <laughs> he more square footage. Yeah. <laughs> There's only different degrees of losing. <laughs> But okay, so before we Uh, go delve into our thoughts on War of the Roses, would you please hit us with the synopses?
1: So I actually looked through a couple of of different descriptions and synopses of these. And this is actually a fairly simple movie to synopsize. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the story of a couple, Oliver and Barbara Rose, played by Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. And it's told through the voice of Danny DeVito's character, Gavin, who is an attorney, a divorce attorney. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the movie starts with him talking to a guy we presume is there to get filed for divorce from his wife or, you know, talk to Danny DeVito's character about it. And he tells this guy the story of Oliver and Barbara Rose. And so the movie is really just the story of this couple going from when they met to, their divorce or their marriage, divorce and everything beyond. And that's really it. There's no side story. There's no parallel story. Uh, There are only really a handful of characters. You've got the roses, Danny DeVito. um, The roses have two kids who are played by, uh, you know, bit pieces as little kids. When they get older, they're played by Sean Astin uh, and Heather Fairfield.
0: Also known as Samwise Gamgee and girl yes. i don't know what else she was in <laughs>
1: uh in yes in a lot of uh, romantic type uh movies that so, explains it <laughs> so anyway those are really the only characters in it it's a very small cast uh there is uh, their housekeeper plays a part in it real you know a little bit but that's mostly it uh so it's a very tight movie when it comes to that um so that's pretty much it. It's a story of the marriage, divorce, and everything that comes along with it uh, in a very
0: dark, See, I dark. Was, I was going to say wrapping. a lighthearted, sweet, almost <laughs> saccharine, really.
1: <laughs> it's a love story. It it's is. A boy meets girl at an auction, fall in love,
0: have family,
1: and and, and delve into the. Depths of hell with each other. Yes. Trying to push each other's yes. heads down first.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, into <laughs> into the, the crapper of life. Of yeah. Yeah. I would say, <laughs> would you say this is the darkest movie we've covered that's non-horror specific? Like, I, I would say this gets even into the horror realm. I would argue, that, see, because I think of this <clears throat> all in the lines of like parents. In that, yes. In that it's, it, but I think with parents was darker. I think parents was overall darker. Like this one was more realistic, I I guess, you know, as much as it could be than parents was parents is almost more of a dark fairy tale at times. I mean, just because all the stuff we talked about in that episode, which we both love that movie, by the way. So I don't
1: I don't think this I don't think parents was darker than this. I actually think this to me felt equal. Now, parents, to be fair, the one with uh, uh, Randy Quaid is about
0: cannibal parents.
1: Well, potentially, as we talk about yes. in the episode. So, if you want to know what we think about it, and if they're cannibals or and, not, the
0: episode and the bonus of awesome guest Peter.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, who we had some great revelations in that, including you professing your love for the two of us, which was fantastic.
0: But oh, hello, um,
1: that one did. <laughs> that one did have um, more, you know, uh, imagery and visualization that was a little bit dark. Uh, darker than stuff that was the visualization in this. But this was so realistically dark. There was no question of whether or not this was a hallucination or fantasy or dream. Although
0: I will, I'm going to counter that actually later, but go ahead and continue your point. I have a reason. I have a reason. (laughs) So
1: I would say this is probably the darkest non-horror film we've done. Um, And uh, I won't say what I thought of it, um, yet, as far as liked it, disliked it, but I will say watching it, uh, I was very uncomfortable
0: <laughs> through much. Well, that's because you're movie. watching it with your wife and every time Michael Douglas did something to Kathleen Turner's character, <laughs> you're like, yeah, stick it to, <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Honey.
1: So no, how- it was how- just, hey, go
0: ahead, go ahead.
1: So, the, I mean, okay. So getting a little more detail in the movie, it's, it's the idea is that uh, Danny DeVito's character as this this attorney is telling how divorce can be horrible. And he he is basically talking this guy, this client of his, uh, uh, out of filing for a divorce. Like it has changed Danny DeVito's life and he's talking about it. And a matter of fact, at one point he says, you mind if I tell you the story? He said, I won't start the clock. And he says, "Uh, my rate is $450 an hour. And when a guy that charges that much tells you,
0: Huh? He's cheap. Yeah,
1: well, it's 1989 or whatever, <laughs> so um, he says, when a guy that charges 450 dollars an hour says he's going to give you free advice, you take it, you know um, so it's it's about this terrible life-changing event and how what turned out to be his friends um, and he also represented him in the divorce, just it goes completely off the rails, but i I dare say. This, because the movie opens with Kathleen Turner. Well, it opens with Danny DeVito, but it starts the roses on Nantucket. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and Michael Douglas's character, Oliver, is at an auction, and Kathleen Turner is like, trying to get out of the rain, runs into the tent uh, where the auction is. She sees him, takes a liking to him, and um, notices him across the room. The auction starts, next scene
0: she purposefully outbids him to take the item that he wanted. Which, and it's obvious based on his reaction, he's upset. So by the, way, by say, the, way, by the way, kids, that's called foreshadowing.
1: Yes. Uh, so it's this little ivory, With the, you know, Japanese sculpture.
0: It was one of the Stafford, Staffordshire statuettes. No. Yeah, it no, 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 no. Are you sure? No,
1: no, it was not. It was a 17th century Japanese oh. carving.
0: Oh. Uh, because they said right. that. Because that's, that's the one at the end that he yes. ganks. Yeah, Okay.
1: Okay, so they're trying to tell the story of at once they were at one time they were in love, but their life goes differently and they're both different people and they grow apart and then they grow to hate each other, detest each other. Um, I dare say that started from the very beginning because that whole scene where she outbids him and
0: takes it, that wasn't even like coy or There was a mean, there was a mean spirited to it. It was, yeah, it was dark, even from the very beginning. But here's the thing. It goes back to passion is passion. And we've just, you and I offline have discussed the idea. The opposite of love is not hate. It's apathy. And I would argue these two were not apathetic to each other. Very passionate. Well, she, I take it back. I think she started becoming apathetic to him. Yeah, with, with just her, rea- like not going to visit him in the hospital and we may get into all that. But yep. but he never was. I don't think he ever, I think he truly, at least as best he could, he had he yeah. had feelings for her, whether they delved into hatred or love is, you know. Yeah. In the eye of the but, beholder. But
1: it, it, the whole thing from the beginning, it was uh, uh, just a disturbing relationship. <laughs>
0: so. Yeah, there was definitely, yeah, it was definitely. Now, I, I did love how, it, I'm guessing it was supposed to be what the... Late seventies or so, and before he's really made it as a lawyer, he's still. I guess he's supposed to be in he's a law student, a yeah. law student or whatever. But she, he's yep. getting ready to do something that's going to make him wealthy. And uh, but so they're living in a very small home. And
1: oh, oh, you're talking about once they're married and they have the the, the little two kids. kids. It's kids. Christmas,
0: yeah, yeah. Well oh, that's the other thing. By the way, we totally messed up, dude. This could have been a Christmas movie.
1: <laughs> it could have. Well, because it, well, cause it, it takes mostly place, it, took place around
0: Christmas. And, yeah, and even it even came out on, in Christmas of '89.
1: Yeah, and it, they showed, like, two or three different Christmas scenes throughout. I mean, obviously, so.
0: it, it's our Valentine's Day movie, but you could make yeah, the argument true. it would have been we a could've. Christmas movie as well. But
1: anyway, so they're poor. This is where he is telling, you know, he's disturbed because the kids are bothering him. He's trying to get ready for some case that's going to help elevate him. In the,
0: yeah, but, then, in the, but her- then the kids ask the mom for candy. And she gives <laughs> it to him and he's like, "Hun, do you think you should give them so many sweets? And she says, oh no, I, re- I don't even remember who she said she read. I don't know if it was Dr. Spock or something like that from the time period.
1: And- oh no. You ready? Mm-hmm. It was, um, no, I read that if you deny kids sweets and candy, then they become obsessed with it and they get, uh, they'll, they'll become obese. But if you give it to them every once in a while, then they'll think it's just no big deal and it won't hurt them.
0: Cut to the next uh, a fe- a
1: epic fe- yeah. in their. Uh, marriage, yeah, a few which years is like 10 years later or yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, and the kids are huge.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, obese. Yes. They're both. Obese. Yes. So well, I, I
0: think about it, it probably would have been like, the, or cause based on the fact this came out in 89 and by the end of it, the kids are old enough to go to college. So the, that must've been so probably early seventies maybe, Because the, uh, they were pretty young. They were like what? Three, well, four years old. They're
1: supposed to be 17. Uh well, he's going when, off to college, the son, right? John Aston. Well, because if you look in the credits in IMDb, it said Josh at 17, Carolyn oh, at Okay, okay. Let's let's say they're college their high school grads, so 18, right? So mid-70s.
0: So, mid-70s. Yeah, so 89,
1: 18, uh, yeah, mid-70s. So okay. um, but yes. And then of, of course, they're living off of theoretically her salary as a waitress. I guess, yeah. And she buys him this broken down but vintage british
0: coupe convertible it was a morgan Uh, was that what it was called yes yes yes. i'm not really a Uh, car guy so i don't know (coughs) it looked like it wouldn't be cheap
1: but the whole i mean that what they were trying to set up with with that was she was the um not as intellectual she was the Mm hard-working
0: Blue, you know, came mom from a blue, drew, came from um, a blue color background.
1: Exactly. She came from working class family and he was the one who was aspiring to become this big time attorney so that later in life when he became a huge success and wealthy, uh, she was part of what got him there, which balanced out the equation at the end when they were going through the whole divorce and, proceedings. And, and that, I, I
0: don't want to interject something. I think they, that's a mistake in the, in the, you could say it's writing like they should have had a few extra scenes. I don't think they sold that very well. And, what
1: uh, she was the setup or that th- she carried th- him through yes,
0: it? Yes. Because I feel like other than that scene, we didn't get any insight into the sacrifices she made. Now I don't no doubt she did. But, yeah. but it was funny, until you just said that. When I was watching the movie, I felt like her reaction was more a, a sense of she realized she had fallen so into his shadow of his success. Like it was less about her well, I, supporting him early on, but that, but to your point, I agree with you a hundred percent. Had they, but had they maybe really shown maybe her in her job or shown a few more scenes at yeah. that time period. to so really get the idea that she was supporting him early on and without her, you know what I'm saying? I think that that, I just don't feel like that was sold very well.
1: No. I mean, I, I, I think that, um, she sort of got the idea or at least I felt when she had her awakening uh, because the way that it felt was more than other than her supporting him uh, financially or helping him get through college. They definitely played her out that her entire life was just making him happy. Uh, Like that's what she tried to do. And even when they went through the monologue of her setting up the house, it was just everything to make him happy. And then she kind of came to that moment where she had lived for him and that was done And realized she didn't want to live for him anymore. But you know what I thought of when I saw that Christmas scene in the apartment um, that I thought did a better job of it was the scene from Scrooged.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Do you remember that when um, uh, uh, Bill Murray and what's her name, the the one that Karen Allen? Karen Allen, right? Um, They they played that. Claire and Lumpy. Claire and lumpy. You remember when they played, like when they were poor and uh-huh. he was nothing and she was mm-hmm. working hard. That seemed to me a little bit. It, it told that part of the story better.
0: And it, and it really would. They didn't spend a whole lot more time than they did in war of the roses. meaning like in Scrooge. I mean, they, 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 they touched upon it, but I agree with you. I think it was more clear.
1: Yeah. It didn't have to be longer. Character I
0: think perspective. just, yeah.
1: So, but anyway, you know, regardless, she, mm-hmm. uh, She's kind of in his shadow throughout, um, and then they um, they get to the whole scene where she leaves a note at this mansion, this rundown kind of old house, this gigantic. And Dude, she's would leaving.
0: You these- that, would you have wanted that house?
1: Uh, if I could have got it for a song,
0: yeah, and then, and then, it and then like? flipped it and made some coins, sure. But what? would you have wanted to live in that damn thing? It looked like that. It looked like the uh, the house in The hunting. It looked. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like it kind of reminded me. Yeah, it reminded me of uh, the Stanley Hotel.
0: <laughs> yeah, it had that so, vibe. I'm like, I don't yes, think I'd right. want to live in this big no. ass.
1: But but she finds it. You know, basically, she's been leaving notes on it, and the way they have the kids there. By the way, the kids when she's in that scene leaving her note, that's when they're in their obese phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there seem to be like, I guess, because they're obese, they're complete shitheads. I mean, they're yeah nasty, yeah. spoiled, rotten. But when they grow up, they seem to be a lot more even keel. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, both of them are like, oh, we're going to be late for soccer practice and ice skating. And so she leaves that note and they said, you've been leaving it for years. No one's going to. Well, it turns out the old lady had died. And the whole idea is that she walks up to leave a note. They think she's there to pay her respects. And she plays on that completely and gets the house because they think she's a friend of the family kind of thing. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's the first part where they really showed her dark
0: side. Other oh, than the other, auction. Other than the auction. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was the beginning of her dark side. Yeah. But, yeah. um, uh, yeah, she, uh, she basically goes completely psycho. Um, after that, just bits and pieces here and it builds up over time. But I gotta say Kathleen Turner place a really, really good psycho
0: character. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, I, 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 you know, real quick, you said you had seen this before, right? How many times, like once or?
1: Um, no, no, I've seen it. A, um, I have not seen it in a long time. Uh, and I don't think I've seen it since I've been married. So closing it on 20 years. Yeah. But I remember seeing it multiple times when I was younger and when I, um, You know, so maybe it was an HBO watch. I definitely didn't see it in the theaters, but I've seen it before. Um, And I remembered almost most of it as I was watching it. I remembered most of it. So I definitely remembered the pissing on the fish scene.
0: (laughs) Oh, you mean this one? (laughs) Well, I guess I better not sit too close to anybody because I have a bit of a a cold. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) (sighs) Oh. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) God. I guess I'll go in and piss on the fish. Oh. Oh.
1: <laughs> and it's funny because she's entertaining a uh, uh, like food critic and her clients at that point. And one of them goes in when they're fighting and comes back out and says, oh, I think we've come in the middle of a family squabble. Uh, Should we leave? He says, I don't
0: know, but I don't recommend eating the fish. (laughs) Because he actually is standing there. He actually did piss on Uh, it. She she goes, uh, goes, I would never humiliate you like this. He goes, you're not equipped to, honey. (laughs) As he's standing
1: up to the oven, uh, whipping it out. Yes. So So I've seen it multiple times, um, but I have not seen it in a long time. Um, And
0: you yeah, this is a weird one, because i as i I told you this before, yeah, I when thought we planned I hadn't, on this yeah, you thought you had seen it no, well, I <sighs> thought you hadn't right no, I thought I thought I hadn't. Now here's what's right. strange. This is one of those movies. I don't know if it's the time period in my life that because problem I mean, I was very cognizant obviously, of movies prior to nineteen eighty nine but mm-hmm. I, I want to say maybe that was when because it was like the seventh eighth grade time frame was when I really started to obsessively like crazy obsessively watch them and be aware of them. And every time a trailer came on and I, and and this movie always stands out in my mind is being there. Like I just remember it. Uh, I I'm a little disturbed in hindsight that I also remember my mom loving it. Maybe a little too much. (laughs) She and my father had been divorced a few years before this. And uh, she really, really liked this movie a lot. So, (laughs) I thought I hadn't seen it though. I thought it was one of those, that was always there around me playing and maybe I caught like a bit of it here and there, but I never saw it. But, but what was weird is I'm watching it and yet everything seemed very familiar. So I, and I, I guess I told you at the very, very end, I won't give anything away to give away the ending, but there's a moment where you see a reflection. I'll just leave it at that. And even that, like the whole way that played out every bit of it was like deja vu. Like I just, I recognized all of it. And I'm like, okay, either I just collied it. Like you said, HBO caught the tail end when I was waiting for something else to come on or yeah. something. You blanked
1: it out on purpose. Yeah. Right? It was
0: just weird. It was like, it was a very, the movie, you know what it was watching this movie was like deja vu. I don't think it happened before, but it felt like it did. Right. Which was weird. I I don't yeah. know how to explain it other than it just felt weird. So, so yeah, I, I'm going to go on the side of, I never seen it, at least not as an on in its entirety. And, right. and so this was new for me. So in a way, I'm glad because I don't think as a kid, I would have gotten any of it, at all.
1: Well, I, I definitely got a a different vibe from it this time because mm-hmm. um, I, I, like I said, I haven't seen it at least since I've been married, and and it it was to me much more painful to watch now because of the abject loathing. Yeah, and they're pretty the vile. Bitterness. Each other. Yeah, yeah, it's. It really, really is bitter. And that's from both of them. And I did watch it with my wife, or at least she watched parts of it. And we both kind of agreed. uh, He's a jerk and an ass through most of this she takes it to a different level. Well, like, see, she and, and, is, and,
0: that's, and that's what's interesting because I, I, I made a comment, you know, my, I was watching it with my wife too. We're both kind of stupid men. You know that? Uh, yes, and, we, yeah. He's <laughs> like, really? This, this movie's one. So, so we're watching. Yes, because next time you go down in your sauna uh, yeah. in, the, yeah. in the basement, yeah. Yeah. she's going to jam you in. <laughs> uh, yeah, Really? Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Christ, she could kill. Yeah, well, well, I'll get to that. I, yeah. I, that's one of my notes. Okay, okay. So, so, so yeah, you watched I, it with your wife? I, yeah, and I'm about halfway through it. And I and she had, she actually really likes this movie. Which again, wait a minute. <laughs> so, <laughs> she she had grown up seeing it, and she was like, "Oh yeah, I haven't seen it a long time. I can't wait to watch it." So we're watching it halfway through. I'm like, I said, I don't know how, but somehow, Kathleen Turner's character is actually making. Michael Douglas, occasionally sympathetic, and it's right. A, right. It's, a, it's a running joke around our house that other than Romance in the Stone, and I love. Let's be clear, I love him as an actor, but most yeah. of the characters he plays are kind of d bags. Yeah, you know, I yeah. mean Fatal Attraction. I yeah. really wish they'd use the alternate ending where she gun, the wife guns his ass <laughs> down. Kills to. him. Yeah. So, yep. so uh, he typically does not play the most likable guys across the right. board. But, right. And he wasn't li- particularly likable. He was somewhat pathetic, but I felt like in this, he was more thoughtless. You at least
1: started to feel, yeah, you at least started to feel for him. So um, he was maybe misguided or- I would as say a, thoughtless.
0: Like he was a thoughtless husband, whereas I felt like she was intentionally vicious at times. He yes, was just very yes. thoughtless and just a jackass.
1: Yeah, right. He he was not very attentive. Uh, she was directionally-
0: Oh my uh, god, they're hey, my parents, hey. dude. No, I mean serious. Like that just hit me. That's like my dad, just the the not paying attention. That oh my god, that so explains this, so, so much.
1: Wait a second. So is that why this felt like deja vu? You're You know, your mom cut up your dad's dog and made pate out of it.
0: (laughs) Technically, as we get by one shot that I almost feel like they just added in at the 11th hour because they didn't want to really make it be that.
1: Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. I can't believe you said that. So
0: <laughs> I want <laughs> just jump to it, just jump to I it I want to talk
1: about it right now, okay okay, so one of the things when she uh, realizes that she's bored as a housewife, she decides she's gonna start um like a catering business, and
0: the first product yeah by the way, bored as she, a housewife doesn't have a really awesome penthouse letters quality affair with say a neighbor wife no. <laughs>
1: No, no. So she makes, I guess, pate. And because, you know, she's entertaining uh, clients and the the other attorneys Mm because he makes partner and all this. Well, she she becomes kind of in this movie. They talk about the fact that she makes pate and she's really, really good at it. Well, at one point, the cat accidentally very clearly.
0: It was her fault, technically. Correct,
1: because she let the cat out because she was saying, no, I'm not going to help you. you she wouldn't give him a, any
0: sleeping pills. Or no medicine, like, yeah.
1: right. And so she lets the cat out. He goes out to get in the car with the uh, housekeeper because they're going to run down to the drugstore. His dog is chasing the cat around the yard. He doesn't see it. He backs over the cat on accident. Mm-hmm. And later, she's looking for it, looking for it. He And they're <laughs> separated at this point. But living in the same house. Yeah. But living in the same house, and he realizes, I guess, that he he (laughs) probably shouldn't be telling her, and because she would snap. Well, she snaps, and later on, she feeds him a peace dinner, where she leaves him a note and said, "Hey, you know, we need to talk." He comes down, genuinely thinks that you know it's a peace offering. Although they both kind of pause with that whole are you poisoning me thing.
0: Yeah, that was pretty uh, funny.
1: <laughs> and then they start talking and he starts eating it and she makes reference to Well here's
0: when he says uh, in the line in the in the trailer, he says, No one who makes pat, this pate this good could be all that bad. And she says, it Depends on what's it depends in the pate.
1: Right. And then she goes, Woof. And he's like, Benny, you ben, and he like Benny. flips out. Yeah. So he flips out and starts chasing her. And I remember this as a kid. I remember that it, she didn't actually kill the dog.
0: Let me pause you there because I want to interject this. I yep. didn't know. Now, one thing I knew about this movie was that joke. So I actually went into this movie with an immediate. This is an interesting. Psychological. You thought study. She had done that. I thought that she does that. And that's why the whole movie uh. I'm thinking, I mean, I'm doing everything I can to not like drop the B word about her because I know that's coming. You know, and, and, and I'm thinking, and that's why I kept saying, I was like, she's worse though, hon. She kills the damn dog and feeds it to him. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I, my entire case is built on this idea that she's going to off that cute damn pooch and now, feed it to him. And he, I didn't, think, and then especially when I thought he killed the cat on purpose. He didn't. It was oh. a total accident that technically she said emotion. Cause she was being a dick about the, the
1: pills. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah, she was just being difficult. I think, and I agree with you, I was gonna bring this up. I made a note. I think they added that uh, that little scene with the dog. Cause all it is, it's it's a shot of the dog at night, like tied up.
0: No, no, tied to the up it's like he's laying in the yard, he just kind of jumps jumped. Like like between he, hears two bushes. A noise. he
1: hears a noise and he jumps and up. He goes, hmm? It's half a second to a second of the dog kind of popping its head up to tell the viewer, hey, the dog's okay. She never references it in the course of their interaction. He never finds out. I can
0: prove it. I, I can all but prove it is that you're correct. You want to know why he why? wakes up in the middle of the night, like the night before, and he calls out for the dog and there's no response. Oh, yeah. And the dog doesn't respond or anything. Yes. And they didn't establish yep. that there was this. This dog wasn't around. The dog was always around him. Yep. Yep. I remember she's no, being... I think, oh, and remember when she's feeding the pate. To the, remember the whole scene in the which is really a kind of a mean-spirited scene because there's nobody else around, right? She's yep. got her cat on the stool, and the dog is there, and she keeps pretending doing that thing. Which, let's be honest, we've all done because oh, it's it's hilarious to do to a dog where you take like a tennis ball and you pretend to throw it in there. <laughs> where, where and where go? Oh, where go? go? <laughs> and then you pull it behind your back, and the whole time you know the dog's like, "God, I, humans are such holes. <laughs> but she's doing this with pate and the dog, and then she's like, t- telling the cat, "Like, hey, so, so watch this." Watch this. Stupid dog, and then she feeds it to the cat. It's like God, and then finally the dog just gives up. I think the dog realizes what she's doing, so actually I'd argue he's pretty smart. And yeah. he just and he just kind of goes downstairs to where uh, Michael <laughs> Douglas's character is. Is like, oh fun. And Somebody then that's when, they,
1: yeah, because that's the scene that they kind of set up that the cat is hers, the dog yes. is his. Because when he comes in the door, the dog's there, and he is loving on the dog, and you know that that they set that up that the cat's hers and that. But
0: um, again, by the way, my parents continue.
1: Right. So, but did you catch before that scene where she's faking out the dog? They play one scene where I think they're in the kitchen and Michael Douglas walks in and the cat's standing on a stool as he walks in. Mm-hmm. And he literally just kind of grabs the cat and yeah, just flings it. And now, this is not a cut shot. He grabs a live cat that's looking at him. And literally, just chucks it across the room.
0: Yeah, my guess <laughs> is because we never see it hit anything. Although they knew they add in the southern ramp, the trainer the... could count. Yeah, somebody's yeah. probably catching it. But it does look very like the way he does it. It's not a right. brush him off the seat. It's a chuck him no. across the room practically. So, so they that that kind of gets brushed off. But that
1: definitely plays into the he's not a cat person. She's not a dog person. Yeah. But I think they added that scene in because that maybe pushed her a little too far. And maybe, like, test audiences thought,
0: ooh, the dog thing was a little too much. I didn't look it up, uh, but this is based on a book. And typically when they make a movie out of, uh, like, a dark comedy off of a, a novel or something, yeah, the novel is almost always massively darker. darker. I, yes. I think like one that comes to mind is American Psycho. I don't know if you ever saw the movie with Christian no. Bale. Vey. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really violent and really disturbing. It's nothing nothing I mean in the book he's shoving kittens into ATM machines and sm- I mean just oh my v- God. vile crap dude wow. oh yeah so nothing because there's just there's no way you could get away with it in a movie either a without I, without an NC-17 and B nobody's yeah. gonna want to watch that crap you know so in
1: the so you think that in the in the book maybe See, she I'm wondering really does I'm show.
0: wondering if they and in the original like you said I think you're right I think a test audience could have made it to okay like we just have got to insert because does the dog ever show up again no, no, that's the whole thing. That is the one bit yep. where they just kind of throw not, it at in the very there. end when, when the no spoilers, but when the thing happens at the end, that's not like he shows up to like, you know, no. lay next. Nope. Nope. nope, nothing like that. Nope. Nope.
1: nope. So I am going to spoil the end here.
0: Um, well, because damn, I want
1: to. I do. I'm going to spoil the hell out of it. So if you haven't seen the you movie,
0: just, although you can kind of see it coming from a mile away,
1: you, you can. So things really escalate. And, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, <laughs> really escalate. And they start trying to one up, hurt each other either well,
0: emotionally. I, and I do want to add something in to your point about physically. her viciousness. Yeah. She is the one who takes screwdrivers and literally nails him into a sauna.
1: Yes. To so the point of dehydration. First, yeah, that's the first point uh that they really she really kind of goes over the edge to the point of psycho, like she could kill him. And because it, that's the point where they had been fighting. She said that she doesn't love him anymore. She wants to punch him in the face every time she sees him. You could almost accept that that's kind of a typical ugly divorce, but she goes completely over the edge when she thinks that he killed the cat on purpose. She has no evidence. She doesn't see the cat. All she all he says is it's your fault because oh, you didn't she give is, me the all pill. she had
0: to do is ask the housekeeper who was there.
1: Right. So nothing. And she grabs tools and hammers these chisels or these, these screwdrivers into the door jam of the sauna and leaves him to die. Pretty much. And yeah. when he's almost dead, she pops the door open and says, well, can you blame me? And leaves him there, you know, dizzy, falling on the ground, almost dead, you know, and says, just give me the house. He says, no. And she storms off. And after that, all the way through, she is just, stays well, that psycho well, throughout
0: without I'll, I'll let you be the one who officially spoils it but yeah, yeah. W- with the way the ending happens it's because what she is loosening the chandelier
1: yes because at one point he is uh he has kind of reached his snap oh, point no, he snaps.
0: Oh, no. yeah as he says yeah he's he's completely he's, he's burning her in the oven like he's in front of this roaring fire that's after the whole car but thing it,
1: but he yeah but he kind of snaps from the perspective of trying to one-up her emotionally But there are at least two, I think three times when he thinks he's physically hurt her and he's, oh, are you okay? That kind of thing. Yeah. So I don't think he ever had it out for her physically, really. Although 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 the time that she does
0: fall down the stairs, he doesn't.
1: Yeah. Well, she kind of does that gymnast thing down the stairs. But so anyway, he's down there and she loosens this gigantic crystal chandelier thinking that it's going to fall on his head and it doesn't actually fall uh, she's she even does like, oh, damn it. Um, so as these things escalate at the very end, he busts this piece, which going back to the very beginning, it's the uh, carving from the the uh, auction that they meet at. He bats it with a fire iron and it hits her in the forehead. She's like, oh, ah! and he runs up. Oh, are you OK? Are you OK? OK. And. She, I don't know, she sw- swings at him and starts trying to hit him, and she falls off the railing of the second story, just catches herself and goes on to the chandelier. Uh, he tries to help her by pulling the chandelier over. He falls off. He goes on the chandelier, too, and then um, they both, the chandelier eventually falls. They both fall to the ground and die. In their dying moments... <laughs> Is the telling thread throughout this entire film, and this solidifies it all. He every time throughout tries to reconcile. I still want to. I still want to make up. I love you. And she's like, I hate you. I want you to die. I want to suffocate you in your sleep. (laughs) And as they're on the ground dying, he's like, "Uh, uh," he reaches up, puts his hand on her shoulder, like this last gesture of I love you. She reaches up, puts her hand on his. It looks like she's going to hold his hand and kind of in the end at her last dying breath, forgive him. She reaches and then she flicks with, his hand off the, of the her. La-
0: with the last bit of energy she can muster. The last
1: energy as she flicks his hand off of her to like, get the fuck off of me. And then they die. And that's it. <laughs> it's like, wow. Now that, that is cold. That was yeah, really cold. That
0: was really cold. Because like, he was dead <laughs> that, at that point, you know. And, and that, yeah. you know, too, that would be the scene where I would expect Benny... The dog potentially, right. if he was still around. Now, to be fair, he could, you could make there. Well, he was locked outside, but then the housekeeper was outside. The David character when they opened the doors, nobody came. I mean, and they're running around the house. Yeah, you the see them running, running around the, the house. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. I think that dog. She actually did serve the dog to him. I think she did. But and here's I think the problem. Then, but if they if they don't if you take that one shot out and you don't show Benny, then we shift all of our allegiance to him, and we want him yeah. to get her, and yes. we don't care about and, her and, and, at all.
1: That's a good point. And, and I think maybe that gives her a little bit more um, a little bit more positive favor because she just pulled a prank on him. Yeah, But sort it of. was
0: stupid.
1: Yeah. But at least that gives us a little bit more sympathy for her that she didn't yes. actually do it. Now, if she had killed something on purpose, that kind of. Yeah. Pushes you're right, it pushes her over the
0: edge. She would be so, the villain. If if you had if you would, have, would see, I think they wanted to keep the balance of they were both the protagonists and the antagonists. yeah But yet that would have solidified her as the villain if they and they didn't want to do that. And, right. and understandably so. Now I will say I have to add this in before I forget. Two things. One, uh, the gentleman who is being talked to by Danny DeVito throughout the entire thing as the who's getting the, the morality play. Presented right. to him so that he rethinks his idea of divorcing his wife, presumably.
1: He's, he's, he's a silent character throughout.
0: Yeah, he never says a word. He's a, but you do get a few glimpses of his face, and Jason, we discussed this, he is... Okay, well, due to the magic of editing, <laughs> you were not privy to the last several minutes of Jason and I getting pooped on by Skype, which... Happens, um, I love technology. Don't you? So if Jason sounds slightly different, that's because I put a crappy cell phone filter on his <laughs> channel randomly, two as thirds punishment. of the way through the yeah, as punishment yeah, as punishment. For his naysaying of Assault on Precinct 13. <laughs> he didn't say it, but he was thinking it. He had it coming. So we were discussing what well, we're about to discuss. The gentleman who is sitting in the office with Danny DeVito, the one who's right. getting this morality play thrust upon him.
1: He's pretty much a silent character. Doesn't really say anything throughout. Yeah. And we don't even really get to see his face. Straight until on. Yeah, really even, I don't think you yeah. do ever
0: even see it straight on close up. I think it's like a profile yeah. and, 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 and that kind of thing. But he never like is close At up. At the end
1: or close to the end, um, they do show him close up because you get okay. to see his face and... And who he is, but um yeah, so uh it's pretty much Homer Simpson. Yes, who yeah. sh- should have been divorced years ago.
0: So well, Marge, yeah, Marge should have left his ass. <laughs> uh yes, right. Dan Castellanata. Is it Castellaneta? Castellanata?
1: Castellanetta, I think.
0: Yeah. So yes, he was on um, the Tracy Ullman show. That's where he started, which of course is where the yep. Simpsons started. So I thought it was I, I said this to Jason earlier. I thought it was odd that while well, he was definitely not a known quantity other than it. But at that point, he'd been on the Tracy Ullman show because, you know, he had been around. So I just found it odd that he had, didn't have one line at all. Nothing.
1: Yeah, he didn't speak. He didn't say, you would think that at some point they'd have him just say something, you know, about, I don't have time for this. Or in the beginning, when uh, Danny DeVito starts talking about it, you would think that they uh, would have him show some resistance. But he yeah. just sits there kind of cold the whole time. So, yeah. Well, yeah. and
0: and and this is my final point. And this is what I said before about the discussion of if this whole thing was in someone's head, a la parents. I can make the argument. Danny DeVito made this whole thing up. And this is why he, uh. he, he tells the whole story. Ver, you know, de- beginning to end, he is the narrator. He tells a lot of stuff he would never have been privy to. Even if you want to make the argument that Michael Douglas's character would have come to him and told him these Details about the, the 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 tiniest little thing that he could be sharing because obviously the idea is whenever we cut away from the office and we're seeing this all play out, he's telling the story. So ipso facto, anything that we're seeing would be what he's telling. Correct? That's how I would take it. Yeah, because you know I thought about
1: that at the very end. He's you know he's telling the story, and of course he starts to tell it, and then the movie flips over to actually showing what's happening, and the final sequence. Uh, of Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner, they've basically nailed themselves into the house and, and go through all of these things. By the time Danny DeVito's character actually finds them,
0: they're dead. They're dead. Which means that he could never have known what happened in the house.
1: But you know what I thought was the, the reasoning behind it, or at least the explanation I came up with was, well, maybe through you know, the police and forensics, they find...
0: Then he should have said, he should have said, so maybe you're wondering how I could possibly know what happened in the house. (laughs) Yeah. Just some throwaway line. I mean, but the fact that he doesn't say that leads me to believe he made the whole damn thing up.
1: Yeah, it could be. Uh, It could be or he embellished on it or... Now, why he
0: would have done that? Why he would want to run off potential clients? I have no friggin' idea. I mean, what kind of lawyer is that? But...
1: Well, but maybe he is a conscientious one who is trying to... Uh, you know, make up for or talk people out of what he thinks is a bad thing. Yeah, you know? now, I, so,
0: now I think here's where you could find that halfway point to where it's okay. He made up the majority of it, but maybe he, in fact, did have a couple friends that had a really nasty divorce. It maybe even right. ended in them dying in some horrible domestic violence situation. And so he created this almost dark, grim fairy tale to warn the kiddies to not right. talk to wolves in sheep's clothing and whatnot.
1: Now to, to get to the uh, before the movie, so that's just the film itself, Warren Adler's the one who, who wrote this novel, "War of the Roses." Yes, that the movie was made out of. Yes. Um, uh, I don't think it was in his head because he then wrote a follow-up novel called "The War of the Roses: The Children," which tells kind of a similar story through their eyes, with the same kind of dark comedy mm. approach.. Um, but it's relived through the kids. Uh, that would
0: probably be more depressing.
1: It probably would be. But so that's the only thing that leads me to believe in, at least in the novelization or, or I don't say novelization because the novel was written first, yeah. at least in the novel, uh, it was not supposed to be just something that the, you know, the attorney made up. It was actually a real thing. But, but see,
0: I also wonder if in the novel, he's the narrator. So uh, I, I, yeah. I don't know that Good he point. Is, So.
1: I don't know. I haven't read I haven't read it, it yet. It could be a device so. that
0: they used. A so that the Danny DeVito had a part to play.
1: Uh, could be. I don't know. I still need uh I still need to be on my Prozac for a while after watching this movie. So. <laughs> okay, well, then, then let's jump to it.
0: <laughs> what what are our reviews just in case just to recap. We go 1 to 5. 1 is it sucks. You take it back. But you don't even finish it. You don't rewind it. You check it at the uh, guy at the video store counter. A 5 yeah. is you pretend that uh, it was stolen and or destroyed so that you and can keep it. it. A three would be Um, a three, by the way, would be you keep it out for the entire duration, but you return. I mean, you're not necessarily paying a late fee, so. Yeah,
1: well, as a kid watching it, I probably would have given it a four. Okay. Now, I guess because it feels a little more personal, which kind of goes to any movies that we've seen. And we've talked about this before. I know as well and show movies that show like kids getting hurt Mm -hmm. uh, and that kind of stuff. Now, our our comedy
0: gold. Oh, right. harder to watch.
1: No. <laughs> it is, <it's>, uh, <laughs> only if it happens in a Catholic church. No, oh, ouch. <laughs> no. <clears throat> no, but I mean, just the whole idea of uh, a husband and wife and that, I know it's, I know it's a parody. I know it's, it's a dark comedy. I know what it's meant for, but that disdain is a little bit harder to watch. I'd give it a solid three, um, maybe going into four range for a couple of reasons. Kathleen Turner. <sighs> yeah. Um she was hot in this and just like she was in romancing the stone and yeah, especially, in the, especially
0: in the end i don't know what it is uh, about a violent chick with short shorts on but... i don't know <laughs> yeah
1: um which one one last point i want to make um michael douglas or not him personally but his character oliver uh, is the absolute villain in this because of one scene in the end where basically he is going to rape her
0: Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. I can't believe I forgot uh, that. It, and it's not. That was almost that, like they said, oh, wait, it's in Michael's contract that at some point he's got to <laughs> g- go into this territory where he's <laughs> such a D bag. Right. Yeah, you're right. That I was, totally forgot about that. That, yeah. was the,
1: that was probably the worst scene in all of it, even if she had killed the dog and made. Well, see, that was out of the only liver. way. That,
0: see, I think that's probably why that scene was in there, because I think originally she did. And that was how they balanced out the score again. Cause yeah. It's so could cause be. if you take that out, you now keep in mind, his character thinks she killed the dog. But right. the fact that he's willing doesn't matter. to, I, I know it doesn't. I'm yeah. saying the fact that he is willing to uh, basically rape her because he almost does.
1: Yeah. I mean, he physically pins uh, her down like he's going to beat her ass and he starts to, uh, he he starts to rape her. And then she, of course,
0: pretends gets to back uh, at him by
1: pretending like she's giving him, you know, down uh, there uh, um, and uh, um, bites. Uh, the shit.
0: yeah, giving him a mouth <laughs> hug <laughs> and then bites his, his wanky doodle to where he then goes and puts it in the bidet. Right. <laughs> cool it off, which again, right. a, a detail Danny DeVito's character could not possibly know.
1: No. Right. So, but, uh, so anyway, I just want to point that out that, uh, he definitely wins the villain of this entire movie from just that piece. But, um, I'd still give it a solid three because she's, she is great in this. She plays a fantastic character. She acts brilliantly. I love Danny DeVito. Michael Douglas plays the character perfectly. A good balance of, uh, likable, redeemable, but also a jacket. Um And, and you kind of it Up until a the bit. attempted rape. And up until the <laughs> attempted
0: rape, which I blame <laughs>
1: the writer for. Um, but there was some kind of cool cinematography in this too. So overall, I think the film was well made, even if the subject matter was a little bit harder to stomach yeah. uh, and watch because it was just such a, a dark comedy. But I still think it was good. Um, and I'd still give it a solid three. Well, well, I'd keep it the entire time.
0: Okay. This is going to be an extraordinarily boring rating system because, for for us, for this episode, because I agree with you, I also gave it a three, and I, I would have given it a three point five, but we declared decimals off limits because decimals are off limits. We, we both correct. suck at math, apparently. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I actually it's interesting because I you, I didn't want to go into it because I didn't want to yeah. spoil my my take on it for the show. But when you mentioned earlier to me about the idea about how, how disturbing you found it, I found it dark. And and as one who was a product of a divorce that was never quite got that nasty, <clears throat> at least while the other one was around, you know. at least while you were around. No, no, when I no, when I was around, then I would hear the verbal barrage. Ah, but right. um, yeah. Oh my, my favorite, my favorite is I don't want to say anything bad about your father. But, but. Oh, and then wait, then cut to a few moments later, you know, you're just like your father. Whoa. Oh. whoa, whoa huh? Wait a minute! You didn't wow. you just say yeah? Uh, why? Why do I have therapy? Okay, uh, so, so, yeah, I, I did, but I did not find. it. I actually found it pretty hilarious, and yeah, I, I mean, I I laughed out loud at several parts, yeah, and just the absurdity. Probably my biggest gripe, if I had one, was that Danny DeVito couldn't possibly know all that crap and to, i didn't even
1: think about that till you mentioned it. yeah yeah i didn't even think about it. yeah, yeah. and
0: and again it's 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 uh, you know picking at nits it doesn't yeah, it's still yeah. a good movie the acting's great the writing's great it's a good movie yeah. but the the only other issue i had was at the end of the day it's the whole first world problems thing they're both a couple of whiny bitches and it's a it's a <laughs> little annoying because at any point they had friggin like a, like a bad sitcom they had just talked at some point, you know, and didn't just wait <laughs> right. till you know, the moment where they want to like smash well, each other to death at it, the, at the end of this.
1: And here, here's my final point I wanted to make about this. Cause you, you kind of touched on it earlier, but at the end of this, I think this is a really, this really is a, a Valentine's movie because they had ultimate passion for each other.
0: Yeah, they really to did. To the
1: extent that they garnered pleasure from the battle, from the very yeah, beginning, right. from the first point when she decides she's going to kind of pick a fight with him and steal his his uh, um, statuette uh, at the auction, all the way through the end, they really derive joy. And when at one point the housekeeper comes in, oh, is is Missus Rose okay? And is she all right? And he's like, Honey, are you all right? And she's like, Yep, never better. You know what? Me, That's a
0: really good point. I think you're right. I think in the end, it's just the law of diminishing returns. They just kept, because the only way the, the, the the fight sex could continue to be good is if they upped their game.
1: Yeah. And you know, at one, you know, several points, uh, um, Kathleen Turner's character, Barbara, she, she talks about just kind of feeling, she does not say this, but kind of feeling numb. Yeah. Like, and so this is her way to feel alive and they, In either case, never made it feel like they had other lives they wanted to get on with, or there was something else that the their their spouse or ex spouse was. It was interesting because other than
0: her trying to seduce Danny DeVito's character momentarily just to get the upper hand, there was never any sense that you know he had eyes for anybody else. Ever, like they didn't even hint. They were
1: completely focused on each other the entire movie, and so it just felt to me like this was uh, passion gone awry, Mm -hmm. and that that's how they expressed it. And then it of course led to the ultimate resolution because that's the only way they could keep upping. It was to die, but
0: it well, that, is, that improving, um, the, the idea that sometimes you just need to let shit go.
1: <laughs> right. Cause they both had the means. She had plenty of money. She even, he even said, uh, or I think she said to him, you've got enough money. You could buy a completely new house just like this and fill it with mm-hmm. all the same stuff. So it never was about that. It was just about the focus on each other, and both of them had the exact same focus, the yeah. same passion. Yeah. So as dark as it was, so it's actually yeah, a very they, sweet
0: movie. Is what you're saying?
1: They, attempted they attempted rape, uh, rape
0: aside, it was just a very <laughs> yeah.
1: they deserved each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah that's actually that's, I said those exact words at the end. I said they kind of deserved each other. Yeah, they do. <laughs> All right, so let's jump right in to our movie picks. you believe in life after love? That's going to get played at the end. I'm editing that part out where Skype pooped out. I'm playing it at the end. There'll be an Easter egg at the end, end, like at the end, end, end of the show. So please listen to the end because you're going to hear Jason doing an awesome impression of Cher,
1: courtesy of Skype. Yeah,
0: (laughs) with an auto tune Skype. Oh. (laughs) So Jay, what is your movie pickage?
1: Okay, so the thing that I really wanted to focus on with this was Danny DeVito because uh, he directed this uh, and starred in it as The Attorney. We mentioned a bunch of times, and he also directed another movie we've covered. He did Throw Mama from the Train, uh, which I think we both liked, especially for um, oh, – what is her name? Mama.
0: Oh, uh, um, Anne – oh, not Anne-Marie. That's the singer. No, no. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, 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 you mean – you mean – who the hell are you all of a sudden? I'm getting the hell out of here. No loves <laughs> yeah. mama. Pain in the ass. Anne Ramsey. Yeah. Anne Ramsey. I had to yeah. play a few of her, her yeah. melodic tunes or tones to,
1: to get her name. <laughs> so I, I, I love Danny DeVito, and I wanted to pick something of his that was a little more forgotten to try and keep it in this vein. Um, so I went with, are you ready? Go for it. Going Ape from 1981. Starring Tony Danza and Danny DeVito and three orangutans.
0: Awesome.
1: (laughs) It's the story of um, a guy passes away who he's 80 years old and uh, he's estranged from his son, leaves his son a million dollars. But the condition is that his son, who's Tony Danza has to keep his three orangutans. And if anything happens to them within, uh, like I, I don't know, like a year or a couple of years, then he loses all the money. So he has to keep them. And there's I like a, a I remember bits and pieces of this movie. I actually found the only trailer I could find was actually a TV spot that hmm. was on YouTube. Uh, a trailer for it. Now it was a theatrical release. It was a, it was a, a Paramount picture. Um, but funny enough, the trailer as it cuts off, someone you could tell recorded it from uh, uh, VHS when it was actually on TV was playing during the Muppets. So, ah. <laughs> but the director is Jeremy Joe Kronzberg, uh, who also directed surprisingly every which way, but loose any, which way, but loose, uh, and the like. So actually this is only director, so but basic, he wrote those
0: basically others. he loves monkey movies.
1: He loves orangutans. Yes. Um, but, Danny DeVito plays Laszlo, and he's kind of got this long hair uh, in the back and this long beard and plays kind of a pseudo Eastern European Russian uh, accent character. But I remember bits and pieces, but uh, I, I have to go back and watch it. Actually, yeah, I was going to say, we,
0: we may have to cover this one one day because this is a truly <laughs> forgotten flick. I've heard of <laughs> the title, but I've never seen it or anything. So.
1: Yeah, so I'll, I'll send you some clips and and maybe it'll ring a bell, but it's definitely... Uh, Tony Danza and in his heyday, 1981, um, uh, starring he and Danny DeVito. So that's my pick.
0: (laughs) Excellent, my friend. That is a truly forgotten (laughs) flick. I chose, using Ms. Kathleen Turner as my inspiration, 1994's Serial Mom. A John Uh, Waters joint.
1: (laughs) I actually remember again going going to the fact that she is a, Fantastic psychopath. Yeah, and what's
0: funny is I'd say she acted more psychotic in a way in War of the Roses than in Serial Mom. Even Serial Mom, she always has her her stuff together. Yeah. Like she, you yeah. never see her lose it. Lose it. I don't recall. Maybe in the end you do. Right? It's been a long time. Yeah. I remember seeing this in the theater. Probably saw it once or twice after that when it came on video. But I haven't seen it in yeah you know, mm. working on you know fifteen plus years. So, uh, but yeah. I remember really liking it. It's the story of Beverly Sutphin, That is the Kathleen Turner character. She is the stereotypical suburban housewife mom, perfect June Cleaver mom. Only catch is uh, she's a serial killer. Uh, the, the thing is, as opposed to a more typical male serial killer who's going to obviously do it, uh, it's like a pleasure thing. She does it to defend her family and anybody that goes against, I, I like, wears white after Labor Day, that kind of thing. You know, breaks, oh
1: gosh. Yeah. That's like the yeah, I remember that part. Yeah. Yeah. It you
0: know, breaks breaks the rules and the traditions that she holds so dear. Those people are just done away with. So
1: well it, in and in, in a way, this is very, very similar to War of the Roses because of the keeping up that appearance and yeah, her keeping up yeah. things. I
0: would say War of the Roses in a way mm-hmm. is darker. Like Zero Mom is twisted because it's a John yeah. Waters' movie, but it yeah. a weird lightheartedness to it, like only he's able to capture for some reason. Yeah, uh, you know he always has this air of whimsy to to what he does, no matter how depraved it is. I, I but I do remember really liking this movie. It's very bizarre. It, it also has Sam Waterston as her husband. Uh, Ricky Lake plays her daughter. Matthew. Oh my Matthew, gosh, Mat- I forgot she yeah, was in it. Yeah, Matthew Lillard, who was from Scream, he plays her oh, son.
1: Oh, and and. He
0: was in Roo. Oh, that's right. I liked him better than Scream. Uh Justin Whalen is, is in it. So I mean it's got a it's got a good cast. Like I said, it's uh a John Waters movie. So if you're not familiar with John Waters, I would actually say it's probably one of his more mainstream quote unquote normal movies. The only
1: the only other one of his that I remember was um did he do one with Johnny Depp?
0: uh cry baby yes cry baby cool. now. yeah it was pretty mainstream but going back to like where his roots like pink flamingos uh is it uh, polyester crap i mean he did a ton of these underground you know just just pink flamingos is probably the most notorious because it's got some twisted stuff in it uh so well,
1: and, and and uh hairspray
0: yes hairspray yeah. yep 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 yeah. yep did he direct uh, hairspr- did so was it he directed cry- it yeah what about cry baby did you do cry baby Yep. What I'm getting at is is that even hairspray probably is less quote unquote mainstream than in a way. Serial Mom is like I don't know. it's, yeah, a, it's a debate. Yeah. It, they're all pretty by John Waters standards. A little bit more. Yeah. Maybe maybe more palatable to people who aren't used to his stuff. John Waters is a, is an interesting cat. I will give him. that. Yes. So Serial <laughs> Mom. Yeah, yeah. Serial <laughs> Mom was my pick uh, from 1984. I, I sort of think of it as like the inverse of the stepfather. Whereas uh-huh. whereas she goes uh-huh. on a killing spree to protect and hold her family together, he sort of does the opposite of that. Uh with form they, a family. When, yeah, when, yeah. They, when, they let, when they let him down. Right. So, <laughs> yes, uh, that is my pick, and I'm sticking to it. And uh, before, right. though, before we segue into the great uh, yonder along mm-hmm. with the roses, I'm not implying we're going to die, Jason, just so you're clear. <laughs> we wanted to make mention... Of our good, good buddy, Kevin Spencer, artist extraordinaire, has a book available that he illustrated. It is a book of short stories, short horror stories, written by a uh, j- gentleman named Justin Hamlin. I really hope I pronounced your last name right, Justin. Otherwise, I apologize. And <laughs> if, if I didn't, I will I will find out and I will edit. So with, you just heard may have been Justin Hamlin or Justin Hamlin. Either way, so he he is the author. Kevin is the illustrator. I uh, got the copy. It's actually available on Kindle. It's like two ninety nine. So it's nothing. Yeah. Definitely, you're just you just find su- it on Amazon. Support support indie authors, people. Come on. So go Ed there. Yeah, 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 and I'm going to have the link. In the show notes, you'll be able to go there and get it. I might even uh, do it as an affiliate link. That way you're also supporting the podcast. It's all good, and it costs you nothing extra. It's great. Uh, Kevin (laughs) informs me the paperback should be available sometime in the very near future, and he will be doing free signed copies, which is very cool. And his art is great in it. He did some really cool uh, illustrations. So highly recommend. Check it out. It is called The Darkest Corner. Probably helps if I give Mm -hmm. you the title. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that is the book. Check it out. Support them, or we will come to your house and uh, reenact uh, scenes from War of the Roses. <laughs> War of the Roses. They may, that may or may not involve pate and a bidet
1: <laughs> on Valentine's Day. You're welcome.
0: Eat some hay. <laughs> My name's not Ray. Ray. <laughs> so anyway, Jay, do you have any uh, any any information you would like to throw at folks so they can uh, uh, yes. contact us or leave us a review? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, check us out on ForgottenFlicks.com. Uh, you can find all of our contact information for Twitter, Facebook, and the like there. We are also on iTunes. You can download and subscribe to the podcast. And Stitcher. Please leave us a review. We, uh, we've been checking them lately. We haven't had any in a while. If they're bad, don't leave a review. Which but is if probably good,
0: why we haven't had any. Uh,
1: that's good. We've told people, if you don't have anything nice to say, shut the hell up.
0: Yeah, yeah. So actually, we could look at it this way. The fact that we haven't had any in like a year... It's actually good because people have listened. We said, if you don't have anything nice to say, <laughs> and they listened, thank you for not leaving us reviews. Uh, We're also on Stitcher. I want to make sure that they are aware of that as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. You can find us on Stitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, you know, check us out. Let us know what you think. Subscribe to the podcast. Stick around for a while. It's
0: all good. So my good, good friend, happy Valentine's Day to you and yours. And do you have happy any... Valentine's Day. Yes, yes. Which is actually technically next week.
1: Yeah, it's coming up. Well, it's wait,
0: hold on. We're recording. Yeah, this would be coming out like the week before, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the uh, actual Valentine's Day is uh, Friday. So it's like a week and a half
0: coming out. Assuming you're listening to this the day it came out, which of course yeah, you are. That's fine. I'm going to give you a
1: couple of days to get ready for Valentine's Day. True. Ideas.
0: Yeah. That's the ticket. So do you have any <laughs> final words?
1: Yes. Have you ever made Angry Love?
0: You sound like a combination of Max Headroom and, <laughs> and, and share in that. Do you believe in love song? Do, you really Wait, love do, love. do, it. do it again. Do it again. Do really <laughs> that was awesome. It sounded just like it. I'm going to use that.
1: Oh, that was fantastic.